Hi everyone, just wanted to give you a quick heads up that I had some audio issues on my end. So if I sound a little tinny, I really apologize. And I'm going to try and make sure that doesn't happen again in the future. With that though, let's start the episode. An active, dedicated group of fans can help move work forward while inspiring new ideas. Join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk to Trevor, designer and author of Veil the Void, about lifelong work and the power of interacting with your community. Welcome to Scheduled for Launch, a podcast to find and discover and learn about some projects that you might not have heard about. I'm here today with Trevor, the writer of Veil the Void. Fun fact, Trevor, something that you might not know is one year ago, I was in a chat room with you for about an hour. We were waiting to, actually, you were waiting to teach me how to play this game. And uh, you suggested that I start interviewing people. And this project has been stewing for about a year because of that one off comment. What? I'm not That's joking. That's awesome. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? How's uh, how's the the quarantine treated you? Uh, you know, I always like to tell people I never went anywhere, did much anyways. <laughs> it's like this is a daily thing for me anyway. I I spend all my time going to my day job, and then I come home and work on the book nonstop. So it's like, you know, other than you know, protecting myself when I go out places, it's kind of been the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, so before we get into talking about Veil the Void and this really cool system and community that you've built, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and tell everybody at home just uh, a little bit about Trevor? Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm Trevor, <laughs> as you said. Uh, I'm a uh, independent creator that lives down in uh, Colorado here. Uh, I've been here pretty much all my life. Uh, I'm a like huge lover of storytelling because it, there's just something amazing about working together with people to make a just beautiful story together. Um, I've been just kind of working on Veil of the Void for almost 20 years now. Uh, Jeez. Yeah, it's been a while. Granted, it, it didn't start out the same, you know, as it normally did as it is now, <laughs> which projects usually don't, but, uh, yeah, I've been working on that. I have a huge just love for this game and for the community that you're part of and everybody else. So it's uh, always, that's pretty much me. <laughs> I'm not the best at explaining who I am. But... No, that's okay. It's great. So um, what is Veil the Void? So uh, Veil the Void, the way I like to describe it to people is it is a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, usually to describe it to people, it's something akin to Dungeons & Dragons, um, where you roll dice and you build characters and you flesh out a whole universe together. And one of the particular things about Veil of the Void is it's super focused from the rules to the rolling to the character creation. It's all focused on storytelling, working together to make this beautiful, just fully narrative universe that each person has played a part in. Uh, and so ultimately the whole game is about fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, that's one of the really cool things I think about this system is you're really building a universe together. There's a lot of really interesting customization and classes and 
there's a lot you can do in Vill the Void. Yeah. And that's even like, even if you just take the classes, not only you're not like sometimes when people hear class system, like, oh, am I limited? No, because you can take abilities from other classes without needing to take deficits of multi-classing and you can literally build whatever idea you have. And I always challenge people to give me the absolute insane ideas because Veil of the Void will completely make it a possibility. Yeah, um, I remember when you were teaching me how to play this game, actually, I played a robot druid who who did some really cool stuff. Or a druidic character, a, um, a naturalist. I think naturalist, yeah. Yeah, so it's a really nature-focused robot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's something you don't normally see, you know? Sci-fi fantasy dancing together like that. You gotta have that cool... You gotta be a sci-fi futuristic robot, but then you're also connected to magic and natural uh, elements. So actually, the, that balance right there, you mentioned sci-fi and fantasy, uh, which is really the best way to describe Bill the Void. And a lot of these sci-fi fantasy games kind of tend to lean towards one or the other. Like the one that I can think of is like uh, Starfinder. Starfinder, yeah. Yeah, it it's very much a sci-fi game with fantasy tropes. But Bill the Void seems to, you've got the gods and you've got the magic and it it really blends really well. How'd you manage to get that written down on paper and explain those in rules? What were the steps that you took to find that nice balance between both sci-fi and fantasy? Yeah. So much of it was like, all of it was random. It's so hard for me to describe. I wrote down rules and stuff like that. And then I was like, Oh, you know, what'd be cool is if I can make this also include sci-fi. So I would take fantasy tropes, and I would take like magic and things like that and figure out how to make it also work along a scientific route. And so over, what, uh, 20 years of developing the universe, I finally kind of got a good balance between the two. Uh, because me, I, I love sci-fi and fantasy, both genres. But I don't see, like, you know, you don't get to see too much of like a good balanced sci-fantasy. So I really wanted to make something like that. I don't, I can't really say how it worked out. It just kind of did. <laughs> Yeah, I find a lot of the sci-fi fantasy stuff, it um, it's not often done well. And that's why I really like Veil of the Void as a sci-fi fantasy. It's something different. Um, mm -hmm. There's another podcast that I'm working on. Veil of the Void is one of the possible games we're talking about utilizing towards that. But really? That's a, yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned that to you before, too. Yeah, but you did. If you need help, let me know. I love I definitely diving will. into I, it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely will. Uh, so... Uh, one of the things I really want to touch on is you mentioned that Veil of the Void is it's been in development for about 20 years, which means that it's probably, I think, based on how old you are, that means it's been more than two thirds of your life you've been working on this game, hasn't it? Yeah, actually, my birthday when I turned 10 years old, uh, I started working on it. So Veil of the Void turned 18 this year. I turned 28. Um, and so pretty much from when I was 10 years old, I started doodling in my book at school. And I started uh, making all these ideas. And after 18 years of development, it's gone from a pure fantasy game to now a really just fun, collected, uh, well-defined sci-fantasy world that can also be played in any genre. That's why I love it. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So how did it how did you get there? Like, what did it start out as? Okay, so the funny thing, the what it started out as actually is I wanted to go into game design. Okay. Uh, I loved playing Guild Wars and World of Warcraft. 
I got really into those when I was younger. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I want to make another fun game and join this. Uh, and so I started making classes and drawing up skills and balancing them and being like, oh, you know, this will be cool. There's like six different specializations a single character can pick, blah, blah, blah. And after I graduated, I realized how much I hated school. <laughs> Just because <laughs> not a big fan of it, uh, of the sitting in class. And, you know, I didn't want to go for another four years to learn how to design all this. And I was like, I, I, I don't want to make it a game anymore. But then when I was about 13, 14, I fell in love with tabletop games. Um, my friends and I, we all played Dungeons and Dragons, or no, Pathfinder. That was the first one. And the moment I got to play my little gnome druid and we all got to sit at a table together, figure out the rules and get to tell like a little story. I was hooked. I loved the idea. And so after a while, after I left high school, I played a few other systems, just kind of got to learn the game. And then I was always working on, on Veil of the Void in the background uh, as a fantasy game originally to think, okay, well, I don't want to give up this idea because I love it so much. So throughout all, of that time i worked on it i fleshed out a lot of stuff i got a lot of like the gods and the fantasy type stuff figured out um and then about five years ago everything changed i decided to make my universe in savage worlds which is another tabletop game yeah um and then it didn't really work i didn't like the system as much and i was like you know what i want a system that fits my universe but also is super fun for me I want the rule set to be something that I'm going to totally enjoy and that I think will be fun. So it kind of came out of a selfish goal, but honestly, a lot of the really cool stuff come because the creators are like, I want something that I would enjoy. Uh, yeah. I, I think just with how excited I've seen, excitedly I've seen you talk about Veil of Void and all the things that you're implementing into it and all these incredible, just we're constantly getting flooded with, uh ideas and uh you're constantly talking to the community and just building so much off of what they say versus like things that you're like well they like that how can i build something that works with that but is my own yeah i i definitely strive to do that in fact with the reforged update that's coming out i took a lot of what you guys had questions about a lot of things you guys had like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if we could figure out a system like this because no other game has it. I would take your guys' feedback and be like, all right, how do I make it so it works with the rule set, doesn't overcomplicate stuff, and fits your guys' idea in there? And so I really try to take community feedback and make it into the game because the community is a huge driving point for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's surprisingly large. I've watched it grow over the, the past year. Um and I, I think I, I might have mentioned this in there, but my original introduction to Veil of the Void was total randomness. Uh, I casually commented on a post while I was looking at it, and you sent me a file being like, hey, you want a copy? Here you go. If you want to learn how to play it, I'm going to be running a game this day. And that's how I got involved in the community. And just steadily <laughs> yep. watching more and more people join has been really cool. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? I've like so i'm a i'm a really like just i'm a normal guy i, I that sounds weird to say but like i just it, this stuff's weird to me to get like see people get super interested in what i've been building like i even had someone when i went to walmart a while back that wanted me to sign their hoodie they bought 
was like, that's weird that people are recognizing me. Uh, so I'm just like really normal with stuff. So it's kind of weird to see it blow up, but I absolutely love it because I love seeing what you guys do with it all. Yeah. So when did Veil the Void start becoming more of a, let's just use this as a kind of fun thing to do, just something for me and my friends to, I want to put this out there and I want it to kind of like make some business off of it uh, to share what I love and kind of put it out in the world. But how long ago back was, was that kind of the shift? Okay, yeah. So I started making my own rule set five years ago, uh, roughly about uh, four months, four to five months after that. Uh, I had a few of my friends test it. They gave me some feedback saying, oh, well, the rule set's a little clunky here and here. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go back to it. Uh, and then I just dove hard into it. And I was about a year after that, I was like, you know what? This is fun. <laughs> Like, I really enjoy this. I'm going to see if other people will, too. So I went to Staples and printed out uh, five <laughs> copies of what I had, uh, put out a poster on that Meet Me or whatever it is website. I can't remember the name. but uh, And I was like, hey, I'm looking for five people to play a game and uh, give me some feedback. Brand new custom game. I, I, you know, you'll probably have a lot of fun with it. The five people joined. They loved the game. And I was like, okay, I might actually have something here. No, that's great. And so recently, I, I believe it, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was last summer. You actually ran a second successful Kickstarter because you kickstarted the first Veiled Void, correct? Yeah, I kickstarted the first one two years ago. Uh, and that was the rule book itself. Um, and then after I made sure I delivered everything to everybody that purchased it, because that's very important to me. I went and did the second Kickstarter, which was for the spell cards. Uh, and then I realized, you know what? I did all this research to figure out how to get books. So I went and added the book to it as well. So that because I knew I was already going to change Veil the Boy just a little bit. Um, and I was like, well, let me do this Kickstarter and add the books and see, you know, I can get more people in. So two Kickstarters now. Yeah, that's that's incredible, Trevor. Congratulations on that. So that second book is the Reforged Edition, right? Yes. And so it's... I'm sorry, if you were going to say something. No, I was going to say, what exactly is the Reforged Edition? Okay, so Reforged is... So I like to think of the first edition as kind of like the first edition. It's it's the test. It's to see how it works. I could only put so much in there because I was using a distributor. And I didn't want to make the book so expensive that people couldn't buy it. <laughs> Okay. Because uh, it's very important to me that people, I don't rip people off uh, for stuff. So I could only put so much in there. So I had to cut out a lot of content that I wanted to go in the book. Uh, and so Reforged is taking all that content, plus all of your guys' feedback over the year that I've had it, uh, plus people's suggestions and cramming it all into a brand new book uh, that still uses everything in the first edition. But it just updates it, balances it, and um, adds brand new content, especially for GMs. There's a ton. There's like 12 or 13 new pages just for GMs on how to run stuff, how to come up with ideas, new tables, uh, a super fun background creator for players that uh, uh, GMs can print out and give to their players to fill out and sign. And it has like all these different suggestions to help them figure out backstories. And then GMs can take that and 
bring those backstories into the game super easily. That's incredible. So one of the other things I want to talk about uh, is that Veil of the Void has this really interesting dice pool system uh, mm-hmm. where both fails and successes and critical fails and critical successes can all happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. For our tabletop role-playing game veterans, what what does this lend to, to Veil of the Void's unique experience for game masters and players? Yeah, so so the first off, uh, I just have to say this every time because it's really true. It feels so good to be able to roll up to 15 dice at one time in your hands. <laughs> it's just <laughs> uh, so nice to just hear them all jingle and roll them because uh, you can get up to 17 dice in this game that you roll at one point. Yeah. Um, and they are D6s. D6s, yes. That's very important to know because <laughs> uh, it's a, it only uses D6s in this game because, again, I didn't want people to have to go buy new sets. Uh, I just... Honestly, if you play Warhammer and you got that little $13 set of uh, 32 dice, that's all you need. <laughs> Even if you just have six D6s at home, you can make it work. Um, but for veterans and stuff that need to know about the game, the the ability to critically hit and critically fail something at the same time brings a huge dynamic to the story. Because unlike other games where you just critically fail the check and you know there's really no way to come back from it, Veil of the Void, you may you may fail a check, but if you roll a critical hit at the same time with that check, oh look at that! You're gonna be able to you're gonna be able to come back from yeah. you know you you may not succeed your check, but you'll get a little bit of advantage if you try again. And it's the opposite for if you roll a critical fail while you succeed something, you succeed, but something else bad happens. It's like succeeding at a cost then. Yeah, it's like succeeding at a cost, failing with a bonus. Um, there's also, you know, the standard critical success and critical fail. Uh, and then there's one where you can both critically fail and critically succeed at the same time. So both things, something really good happens and something really bad happens. Just adds a whole new little <laughs> dynamic that makes rolling and your numbers actually mean little things and, and you just kind of watch it and go well this story went completely derailed but it's fun and it, it really is just having this really cool uh balance and there's space fights and all these big magical rifts opening up and sucking magic from the void it's it's incredibly <laughs> cool and just fun Oh yeah, I, there's there's so many like I, I hear all of your guys' stories of running games and like oh yeah my players uh you know they summoned a magical field that they used and rode on to destroy the starships that were coming to attack them. I'm like I mean that doesn't happen in many other games, but cool. <laughs> One of the biggest compliments that I always hear about the book isn't actually something that you do a whole lot. It's the the amazing art that Peter does. How did you guys become connected in? making these art pieces come together for Veil of the Void. Okay, yeah, so so Peter, I'm like I'm a huge fan. He's my favorite artist. <laughs> well clearly because I use him for everything. Um but he's he's actually in Hungary. And I found oh, him okay. when I was looking through Deviant art uh five years ago, just perusing some of the artwork and I saw him because I searched sci-fi fantasy and he does a lot of sci-fi fantasy themed stuff. And I was like, you know what? I really like the look of his like painted effects uh, for his artwork. I'm like, I wonder if he'd be interested. Uh, So I reached out to him and he immediately fell in love with the idea. 
uh, and we were working together <laughs> on all the art pieces. And the best the best thing is, I always encourage him to have fun with the art um, because I I've noticed because I have a lot of artist friends and people that I know. A lot of the times they get bogged down by stuff because the art the the direction is like it has to be this way. You can't add any of like your additional flavor to it. I'm the exact opposite. I tell I give Peter a basic outline of kind of what it is. And then I say, hey, you choose the rest and have fun with it. I'm going to love it either way. So you just enjoy it. And he he always tells me he just loves drawing it. And that's that's one of my favorite things, too, because there's definitely this really obvious pride that comes from getting to share that work with him. Um, whenever a new art piece is done, you're you're in the disc when you're like, oh, my gosh, guys, take a look at this. <laughs> yeah, I, I freak out over every picture he sends me. I'm like, it's just so it's so it's, good. It's so good. We've been talking about community a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's that been like? Just having this community slowly start to grow for you. Like like I was saying a little earlier, it's crazy to me that so many people are interested in in an idea. And it, again, it just kind of reiterates that I do have something here, <laughs> which is always good. Um, but I, one of the things I wanted to do with this book is to make sure that I'm not just a big corporation that doesn't listen to players like some other ones that I won't name. Um, I want to make sure that the people I'm giving this game to will come to value it and love it as much as I do. Because uh, it's very important to me that I give the community something that's worth spending money on and that they won't regret. Uh, and it's why I try to make sure my prices are incredibly fair. Uh, it's why I didn't separate all the spells into different class-based uh, uh, card decks that you're going to have to buy. They're all in one book. The same reason I made Veil of the Void to where the GM's guide, all the lore, and the player's guide are all in one book so that you only have to spend you know, one purchase to run the whole game forever. Yeah, that's and that's something that I think you're seeing a lot more from smaller developers who are trying mm-hmm. to make their own games available because a lot of these big-name tabletop mobile games, like you said, we're not going to mention any of them because that's not what we're here to talk about. But they'll split it, the the base the base game into three four books that mm-hmm. you either need to go in on as a group or one person needs to buy them all just so that you can run your first session and see if you even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely didn't want Veil of the Void to be that because I I like I said like I've said before I like people <laughs> I like my community you're all amazing and talented. And you all have just fantastic ideas. And it's so cool to see your renditions and takes on this universe. And so I really wanted Veil of the Void to just feel open and like a community where everybody can give pointers to each other's ideas. And and people can come to me and ask about ideas. And, and they can post stuff in the Discord like you've seen in the workshop where they throw ideas around. And I just, I just love community. I love people. And I want to make sure that everything is good for you guys and it would be something that I want to buy personally. Uh, and so that each of us, you know, it's, it's each of us win <laughs> in the end. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, these tabletop role playing games really are about community and mm-hmm. coming together. Right. Yeah. 
So it's that, like you said, group storytelling is so important. And I think really during our, while we're recording this, where I'm still in the middle of pandemic lockdown because mm-hmm. I'm up in Canada. I don't know how things are for you, but thing, it's a scary time right now. And it I is. Think that, yeah. I think that these community-based games are really important mm-hmm. for for people to to stay connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's really important <laughs> to keep them. And I've seen what Veil of the Void does, especially since that's one of the reasons this year I, I dedicated uh, time to working on Roll20 um, so that the PDF should be on there once Reforged releases. Uh, there's going to be tokens. And then we're also updating the character sheets so everybody can play Veil the Void online until hopefully the COVID stuff kind of passes on. How has, has COVID treated you? Has that been something you've had a lot of time to work with here uh, during, during Veil the Void? Did you get a bunch of time or is your day job kind of kept you from working on as much as you'd like? Well, I got furloughed for two months, so I used that time to knock out all the spell cards and get them ready for production. Uh, I spent an 80-hour work week <laughs> working on the spell cards in one week. Uh, wow. Got them all. Yeah, I. Uh, it was it was interesting when I got furloughed because I saw that I could discipline myself enough to work on everything, and I was spending almost 12 hours a day working on Veil of the Void. Um, and then I had to go back and now, you know, I work nine hours a day and <laughs> come home and I, I try to spend as much time on Veil of the Void as I can. But I, I won't lie, I did miss when I was furloughed and was able to just consistently work on Veil of the Void. It was so good. Yeah, what's What's been the hardest part of working on this project? Uh, working on what? Veil of the Void. Working on it. The hardest part was actually figuring out like I'm trying to figure out marketing and distribution. Those are those are the two like challenges right now that I've been trying to work out. Um I am meeting with a friend eventually uh who uh she knows quite a bit about marketing, so I'm excited to ask her some questions and pick her brain and I'm very grateful for that. Um and then I spent the past 4 or 6 months or so studying distribution, seeing if I can physically do it myself instead of using uh, another company to do it for me. Uh, and so those are those are the two like big challenges to it right now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I imagine they're, they are large challenges because mm-hmm. um, don't, don't get me, I'm going to try not to offend you, I don't feel like you're a person who has a lot of money just to drop the price down for everybody to distribute them. <laughs> Oh no, I'm broke. So, everything <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it's available, and then I don't like have the biggest salary, so I, I take a percentage of what I earn and I put it into the side to make sure Veil the Void gets there. So I, I've been learning how to get this done and not completely make myself broke. <laughs> so, but but thankfully, after a lot of research. The book will be cheaper now. It's actually going to be $3 cheaper for people to purchase. Um, it's going to have an additional like 20 pages of content, uh, 20 plus something like that. I, I don't know the final total just yet, uh, but uh, it's going to have brand new content. It's going to be a little bit cheaper. Uh, it's not going to ever need to be updated again. And I'll actually make money with it this time instead of the little dollar eighty I was making per book sold. 
I'll be making more. <laughs> so that means more content. <laughs> so uh, here's another big one, Trevor, that I, I want to pose to basically everybody who comes on this this show. Mm-hmm. What What would you recommend to somebody who is starting to look at their own system or supplements for a game? What would your suggestion be to them on how to get it out there into the world? Okay, so the biggest things I would suggest, and this is the things I suggest to people all the time, uh, because I wish I would have done more of it, is to research and look up how to do marketing. So get yourself a Twitter, get yourself a YouTube, get yourself a TikTok, get yourself a, a Facebook, Instagram, all of that stuff. You don't have to use it all consistently, but start to learn it so that you can get your name out there. Because like they always say, you can have the best idea, but if nobody knows about it, it's not going to go anywhere. And so like as you're working on your idea, and if you really want to dive into it, try to get your name out there and be known because that's what's going to get you more people to, you know, join your community. It's getting your your name out there. Yeah. And and building yourself up is really important, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of the, the point for this podcast is to give you one more place to get your name out there. Yeah. Um, and and someone like you, you got actually really lucky with your first version of Bill the Void before we were, before we even started recording, you and I uh, were talking about how the first uh, version of Bill the Void was originally mm-hmm. uh, purchased and kind of brought up a little bit by Matthew Mercer. For those of you who mm-hmm. don't know who he is, he's a, a very popular voice actor. He runs, he's the dungeon master on the YouTube actual play for Dungeons and Dragons, Critical Role. If you played a video game, you've probably heard his voice. Uh, how'd that make you feel? That was the most surreal moment I've ever had. Because <laughs> I was I was driving home, and then uh, one of my friends, like when I was on the way home from work, was like, did you see? And I was like, what? He was like, Matt Mercer just bought your book. I was like, what? Don't, don't lie to me. Yeah, don't, no, don't play my heart like this. And he's like, no, it was real. And I went and looked, and I was like, oh, he actually did. <laughs> It was, I, I'm a huge fan of him. So I was like, whoa, this is, this is surreal. That's incredible. I, and like just hearing that amount of excitement and just how those little events can come out of nowhere is, is really cool for, for everybody out there who's working on their own independent projects. Mm-hmm. So uh, where, where do you see Bill of the Void going then? Well, I'm hoping it takes off. Uh, I'm really working hard to make sure it does because uh, I have a ridiculous amount of content to release for you guys if I can start getting an income from it. Um, and so the next thing I want to work on actually is to try to get class cards made for the book as well. Uh, because especially considering you can make your own class whatever you want, having the card in front of you instead of having to flip between the book all the time will make it a little easier. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of one thing I'm working on on the side just to see. Uh, but of course I have a ridiculous amount of extra content. I mean, I, uh, what am I up to now? I have an additional 30 classes I want to release. And that's Um, on top of the original nine, right? Uh, the original 10 now. Yeah. So there's going to be an additional class in Reforged called the Architect. 
And for for those of the people in our little community there, what what can you tell us about the architect? So the architect is your futuristic engineer. Uh, they gather scrap from either you know killing machines or tearing apart the a starship around them, or you know if they're a prototype, they can rip their leg off and turn it into a rocket launcher. Uh, <laughs> they're they're all about creating. At level one, you can make pretty much anything you can dream of uh, based on how much scrap you use. Uh, the only thing that's kind of binding that is the fact that you can't make anything automated. Okay. Uh, so, like, you can't make an automatic turret. You have to use the turret, but you can use the turret as an extra action instead of an, an attack. So it gives you pretty much an extra attack. Okay. Um, they also get to have these cute little robots that follow them around. One collects scrap and gives you a farther building range. One heals allies and jumps between them. And then the other creates this like nullification field that slows people down and stuff. Uh, and so they're all about building and making ridiculous stuff that has a chance of exploding in your face. But eh, I mean, it's risk it. You know, risk reward. <laughs> Uh, and then their specializations are real fun because there's one that's a tinkerer, which lets you run around and hit people with a wrench, uh, allies, <laughs> and give them bonuses. Uh, there's one that lets you build starships and giant mechs just using your scrap. Uh, and then there's one that gives you total control over the battlefield, allowing you to like zoom out and get the upper field vision and control and move people around the place like a chessboard. Oh, that that sounds like it has a lot of uh, sit down and fun parts with the party there. Yeah. <laughs> so one final question before we we start wrapping things up: mm -hmm. Who would you recommend Veil the Void to? Because you know it's not going to be for everybody. Oh, but of course, who yeah. do you think would really enjoy Veil the Void? You know what the the thing that I always like the one that I see from people who really love the game. Uh, is people that just love a good story. Like, like if you just want... Like, if you've been in another system and your character idea couldn't work there, like, let's say you want to be a pacifist and it really didn't work in the other game, Veil of the Void's for you. Or if you just love a good story and want to make that idea reality or make your universe work together or just have fun, it's really for you. <laughs> yeah, so... Just uh, just to summarize that group storytelling, uh, some some character customization, and just something that's fun and different. Yeah, it's just it, I. It sounds really like you know like a simple thing, but no, it's it's just fun. It, it's designed to put fun at the core of it. All right. Well, Trevor, where can people find you and Veil the Void? Where can they find? Their, their your socials and where can they they purchase this game all right so uh, the the biggest place that you can go that's a hub for everything it has uh where you can pre-order the book right now as well as all of our different uh, social links is s d g creatives.com so like s is in sam d is in dog uh g as in green uh creatives.com uh on twitter you can find us at publishers sdg uh and then on instagram we're at veil of the void 18 so but but the best place to find us is the sdgcreatives.com or just search up veil of the void and we'll come up on your search beautiful 
thank you so much for joining us, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Thank you, audience. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you so much for listening. Trevor and Veil the Void is scheduled for launch for you soon. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Thank you again to Trevor for coming on to the show with us this week. It was a lot of fun, and socials for him will be linked in the description of this episode. I also want to just take this opportunity to say thank you to you, the listener. Feedback from the show has been really positive, and I look forward to putting out more. While things are still getting up and running, and I try to set up people to talk with, there's going to be a lot of open spots to come and speak with me. So if you like the show and you'd like to come on, you have something to present, you can message me on Twitter at Schedule4Launch. That's the number. The next episode is going to be up on March 9th. I hope to see you there.